When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrowdy and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode 201 of the No Encore Music Podcast. As noted on the most recent episode, we have decided to take the move now and put interviews out as standalone pieces because 9 times out of 10, maybe even 10 times out of 10, they're good enough to do that. The show already has kind of undergone a bit of an overhaul recently, uh, like a car brought into the shop. I think that's what Craig said to me the other day, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense, man. What are you talking about? But what does make sense is my sit-down interview with Lancome, with uh, one of the hottest Irish bands at the moment, sat down with Rady Pete and Dara Lynch of the band, uh, a band that have been around for a while. I mean, if you've never heard of them, I would say... I wouldn't say pause this, I'd say keep listening to me, uh, and then them. But afterwards, definitely check out their music. They've been around for a while, they're originally known as Lynched, uh, they changed their name along the way, they've released three albums to date, the most recent of which is called The Live Long Day, uh, came out last year, kind of around October time. Um, this is the week in which the Choice Music Prize will be decided. I have probably put the spell on them by saying that I think they're going to win the Choice Prize. I'd be very, very shocked if they didn't, and I think that they maybe should, but, you know, that's a conversation for another day that we will have on No Encore very, very soon. It's a fabulous record. If you're into trad music, if you're into punk music, if you're into vocal harmonies, if you're into Irish kind of sounding stuff, if you're into world sounding stuff, I mean, like, to me, at its peak, and I talked about this quite a lot last year, this is a record that sounds as good as some of the great work made by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis when it comes to scoring movie soundtracks and movie scores. 
And I spoke to the guys about that. I spoke to the guys about the glamour of being in a band and having to do all the admin and what that's like and what their relationship with social media is like. I spoke with Rady about a recent appearance she had on RTE, on the Sean O'Rourke show, in which she kind of followed a politician by the name of Pater Tobin, who is a bad man, and how she was kind of in this weird bracket where like they didn't want her views, but then they did, then they didn't, and she got a bit of feedback and a bit of trolling out of that. I talked about like live shows and how they appreciate a good heckle, but only if it's good. Talked about the choice prize itself and the idea of music as competition and, you know, how that might be a bit remedial, remedial and kind of unfair. Uh, it was just a general kind of chit-chat, really. And uh, Dahi, of course, who is still very much part of the show, has been very kind with his time in a week in which he, of course, is up for the choice prize and, you know, best of luck mate uh, he managed to put together this really really good package I love how it sounds this is actually turns out one of my most favourite interviews I've done in quite some time and I hope that you enjoy it and if you do enjoy it you know let us know let your friends know talk about no encore amongst people at garden parties and in church and all that kind of stuff uh, subscribe to the show check it out and do check out Lancome's music as follows my conversation with Rady and Dara from Lancome Delighted to be joined on No Encore by Rady Pete. Hello. And Dara Lynch. How's it going? Of Lancome. Hello, how are you? Uh, tired. You were uh, doing a bunch of visa applications. I was, I was up early trying to get to a DPD depot in the Docklands to drop off visa applications to get to the American embassy that are, should be back by next week. And if they don't, we won't go to America. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't have those passports in our hands, getting on the, yeah, we won't even go to the airport, I suppose. It'll be yeah. no America for us. This is the glamorous yeah. side of being in a band. Yeah. The, str- the stress of that, like, I, you know, like I'm just saying little prayers to the visa gods. Just <laughs> please let them arrive back in time. It was but like this last time we got them as well. It was really... It, it seems like anyone that I've talked to as well, though, they just, that is, it's the norm. It's always down to the wire. It's always a like last minute kind of freaking out. Yeah. I mean, like, how often are you asked when you're even going through customs or whatever, like, what do you do? And do you get the people kind of getting, like, paying extra attention to you because you say you're a musician or... Um, like going to Amer- well, going to America, you have to do that little interview thing every time, and they'll always ask you like, "Where are you staying? What are you doing?" They often ask us even like, "What instrument did you play in the band and stuff?" And like, "What kind of music do you play and stuff?" So they'd be fairly thorough going to America, but like, no, like when we're just going like in Europe, like no one even notices. Mm. Surely though, like uh, when it comes to what instrument you're playing and the diverse range of what you guys do, must draw a few raised eyebrows. It's not just a standard I always, guitar. Like I always find that amusing when we go through the X-ray. At security, they always get ready to take out the concertinas and the accordions to like, just to see what the fuck they are. Yeah, and the pipes as well, because they do look mad on the those X-ray kind of metal machine things. They look pretty cool. But haven't um, you? You've been asked to prove that it's an instrument by playing a tune at yeah. the at the airport. I think they were just bored. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just had a really boring day. But yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, it's an interesting time for musicians to kind of move around the world. We were just talking off mic about this whole new UK thing. We don't quite know how the future is oh, going to be there. Uh, yeah. As for America, but I, I guess as for the world in general, like, you, like you've toured a lot. So what has the kind of reaction been going place to place? Because you got some really good press uh, in America from NPR and from other places as well, which have kind of been hailing you as part of this new wave of Irish music and a return perhaps to, you know, forgotten 
Irish music or at least on the world stage how have you found the general kind of reception to Lancome outside of Ireland? It definitely differs from from place to place you know what I mean um, and like a lot of the American that kind of American press you're talking about uh, has probably linked to the last album um, you know because um, we, we used to get kind of press over there but more related to kind of Irish American stuff or specifically Irish yeah. music you know would have been kind of general press I don't know I actually don't know how to answer your question because it's quite it's quite broad like um, we've been I think we've been very lucky um, with the reaction that we get um, outside of Ireland and um, like we've, we've gotten a really good reception always in England um, and even but like it's interesting to see like in countries like in mainland Europe where like there wouldn't be like mother tongue English speakers that the music still connects even though some of our songs would be quite like heavy on kind of narrative and lyrics you know yeah. what I mean like it still it is still connecting even with people who are maybe not like getting every single lyric so that's good I think yeah but already we're starting to it looks like we're starting to do quite well in uh, Holland and Belgium like we're getting a really good reaction there at the moment which is confusing <laughs> I guess it is hard to even pin down, though, in terms of, like, a genre, which, of course, so many musicians of any kind of standard or whatever are kind of always boxed in this way. And I've done it myself as a music journalist, and I try and stray, I try and kind of stray away from it where I can. But I, I've i gone from kind of referring to Lancome as a traditional Irish band to being like, actually, no, that's not really the full story. So yeah. is it a case of, like, please don't call us that? <laughs> um, it's more a case of when people ask us what kind of music we play, I have no idea how to answer. Like, I, I actually wouldn't know the words to tell you the genre that we play because I suppose we try not think about it that way either you know I think you're better off not uh, not labelling yourself anything so you don't have you don't have to prescribe to any idea um, but yeah when people ask us like if we're getting like a taxi or whatever and they're like oh what kind of music do you play it's like uh, I don't know <laughs> um, but like I like a lot of the music that I like listening to has that same quality where you're like I can't actually describe what genre this is so I, I would usually kind of find that an interesting thing you know if it's if it's ambiguous like that yeah I think especially in a live setting as well like it kind of takes on its own like its own weird thing I was there for the first night of the recent Vicar Street gigs oh yeah and it was fucking amazing like oh, thank you it was, my, it was just yeah, unbelievable yeah it was yeah, just like the, the vibe in that room was crazy and also yeah. one, one thing that really stuck out to me was very little phones out very little phones in the air that's always good which is great I yeah. was thinking that we uh, we went to see Richard Dawson on Friday in Whelan's and it's probably the least phones I've ever seen out at a gig in my life I think I saw two and one of them was mine <laughs> <laughs> only for a couple of seconds but, but yeah uh, I think that's a much like that's a, maybe a good sign or like uh, you know it means people are kind of maybe listening to the gig more I would I would never have my phone out at a gig that I'm enjoying you know what I mean Yeah. and it is freaky if you spot someone if you're playing or singing or whatever and you spot someone with a phone it just like takes you out of what you're doing In, for me instantly like I hate that because it feels like, um, I don't know, it just feels different. Yeah, it's a reflexive thing. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it. And I try and hide behind that wanky music journalist mask of, oh, I need to have a photograph, even though yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, There'll be photographs online. They yeah. Will, they will yeah. <laughs> Incredible the photographer or something. Yeah. But no, I, I think it was it was a different atmosphere in, in that room that night. And it was, my, it was the first time I'd ever seen Lancome, like, outside of when you performed at The Choice a couple of years ago. Oh, but yeah. this was obviously your own show and it was a much different experience. Yeah. But like the clamour of people in that room for what you were doing... Yeah. 
it was a hometown crowd, but it felt particularly like it was a very communal vibe, it was a very familial thing. And I'm, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like there's been this galvanizing of Lancome among people within, the, like, I think, between the last two albums. Like, there was definitely a lot of buzz, but now it feels like it's a real fucking thing. Yeah, this, it's definitely, like, gone up a notch since the new album came out. Like, something mad has happened. I'm not, I don't know exactly. But it's hard for us to feel that or comment that as well, because we are us. So, like, we're not part of that. You know what I mean? Like, we sometimes come into contact with it, but it's hard to say what people feel about it now. You know, it's not that everyone's coming up telling you that or anything, you know. But, like, it, there is an atmosphere. There is a kind of a... Yeah, a bit of a buzz or something. Well, even the fact kind of that, like, the, well, the last album came out, we kind of just about filled Vicar Street once, and then this time around, we filled it three times. Yeah, even true. just the, the amount of people that are into it is, is kind of gone up exponentially. There is also a kind of a slight tension, I think, in terms of the music that you make and what it brings out of people. Like, and there's definitely a an unsettled Irishness at most gigs that you go to. I don't know how I heard the Richard Dawson one was quite chatty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been to a few gigs like in recent times where there's just this moment where I, I saw like uh, Chromatics in Vicar Street a few months ago, which was fucking incredible. And towards the end, uh, the singer came back on and did like a solo song, and it was a slow down, beautiful cover of um, "I'm on Fire." And there was just a moment where someone in the crowd like yelled out at her, like and, and like really inappropriately, like you know, kind of uh, praising uh, her beauty or whatever. <sighs> and it was just like, oh, and it was a real like you know. Irish like like yo thing and it was like no like this is this isn't the right thing and I think when I saw you guys live there was very little of that but there was I think there was one moment where someone kind of yelled out something about like football or whatever the fuck was on and another member of the band was like oh yeah sport 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 like completely disdainfully shut the guy down almost like it was like a heckler at a comedy gig and I guess the tension in the room is part of what you do but also you know you want people to shut the fuck up and enjoy it but do you find that there is a lot of kind of you know interaction from the crowd I like when they heckle, though, if it's good heckling. Some was, people are really good at heckling. That's what I was about funny. to say. Is like I, I don't mind between songs having a bit of banter, because especially like Dublin, Glasgow, I think, are probably the two, two best places for that kind of thing, where you like crack a joke and someone in the audience, before you've nearly finished the joke, is back with something like even better. So it's hilarious. But uh, if people are doing it during the music, I'd get annoyed. Yeah, uh, I, there was. Yeah, you're right. I mean, even between songs, there was definitely a sense of kind of storytelling and a, like kind of a raucous atmosphere. It is weird though how people just kind of overstep the line, like being at a comedy gig and being like the drunk person at the comedy gig, where you're just like, oh no, shouting at the stage. I can't handle it at all when I go to a gig or something that I want to see and there's people talking over whatever's over the happening. Music. Oh, I've gotten in so many fights, like with people around, like shut up, like I, <laughs> I paid in to listen to this, not to you. Um, but yeah so like I don't know sometimes it's good though like as you say some people are just really good at like a good well placed heckle and actually from the stage like there's definitely been times where I've really appreciated and been like ah go on Glasgow or ah go on Dublin but it kind of puts you at ease as well and it kind of creates a bit more of a bond I think between the people on stage and the audience if there is a bit of back and forth like that it seems uh, less serious or something yeah I mean like it breaks the kind of like illusion of seriousness which is sometimes good because like sometimes it just feels like a kind of a mad thing that you're up on these big stages like singing songs and there's all these people like silently listening to you (laughs) (laughs) like that's a bit that's still a bit weird especially when you're you're opening with track out the wild rover which is about 10 minutes long Mm. and it's all about the build all about the payoff and is fucking unbelievable like when that drum was hit that night I was just like oh my god <laughs> yeah I love that drum it's so good
like I, I, I'm just fanboying now at the time, but like I could just feel like my soul leave my body in the moment. I was like, Jesus Christ! But like, it doesn't work unless you have the preceding eight minutes. Like, it doesn't. You can't skip. You can like you put it on Spotify. You can't be like, I'll skip to that moment. It doesn't have the same. Yeah, it doesn't the wrong make sense. feel is good. No, not at all. Even that we were a little bit heartbroken, even having to do the edit for the video because the video slightly shorter. Yeah, having to decide to pull parts of the song, I was like, no, not a nice feeling. Yeah, like is that a difficult conversation to have in terms of where it comes from? Like you're just like definitely, no, but fuck an, off. <laughs> any well, anything that needs to get like chopped down, we do, we very rarely do it, but it's just really yeah, it's really hard to do. Um, it's both like practically hard to do because a lot of them you're like, well, it doesn't make any sense if you t- like this, there's no story that makes sense if you take out this bit or whatever. But just yeah, artistically or creatively, you know, it's really like no, like we've we've spent a lot of time and effort considering each part of this and this is the length we want it to be so then to have to change it to fit another format is a bit uh, yeah it can just be a bit hard to do you know you're unlikely to hear a song like that on daytime radio but in the same no. breath should you be heard in daytime radio like like obviously I think the industry in that regard is very beholden to a certain level of even cutting down short pop songs and obviously pop songs being written to fit the radio which is yeah. a very cynical way of doing it but obviously that's the business but at the same time, why can't people just cop on and just tune into a track that is like that for yeah. X amount of time at two forty-five PM on a Tuesday? Yeah, I I would totally agree with that. Like, I think yeah. it's just like that's just the way things are done. And the likes of John Kelly, like he plays all the, the full versions of everything. That's it. Yeah, the record shows like on Tave Tool yeah. or, or John Kelly show or those sort of people would. Or Carl Corcoran when yeah. he was on Blue the Night used to play. They'd have no problem yeah. sticking on a track that's ten minutes long, just just cause. But it's also kind of we're at a time now where I think music like the type of thing that you make and bands like The Scratch and a few others have totally, whether they've seized on something or the public have just come around as you say, like it's probably very difficult for you guys to ascertain exactly what has changed or what is changing but I wonder if even 10 years ago this would have been doing as well as it's doing There's some, something has definitely changed within the culture I think But and I'm fascinated by what that is but all I really have to point to is the music itself. So I'm just curious as to where people have suddenly decided, no, no, this is like not acceptable because that's a really shit word for it. But I think there's been a kind of a destigmatization or something of just like even Irish accents and just Irish music. And now there's a lot more kind of pride in it or something. Yeah, I think that that's true. And again, you're talking about things that like they'll probably make sense to people when they look back 10 years from now and kind of analyse various things that are going on. But it's very hard to like put your finger on what it is that feels different now. For me, the like I don't know what it is that has changed and I don't know why, but there's like a kind of a stark contrast between because I grew up playing Irish traditional music uh, like since I was a little kid. And so, like, I remember what the general reaction was when I would tell people that I played trad music um, as a teenager and it was pretty much universally negative and it was like, that is really uncool. And you know what I mean? Like, if you wanted someone to think you were cool, you might avoid telling them that you play trad. Um, But like, then something in the last kind of 10 years, maybe more than that, like, I've just kind of noticed that people are not only more receptive to hearing about it or whatever, but people actually go out to sessions to listen to them. Whereas before it used to be pretty much exclusively the people playing in the session that would be at the session. Like, I don't remember ever there being spectators before. It was like you went to play or you weren't there or you were there having a point kind of putting up with it. (laughs) Whereas now people seem to like want to go listen to the sessions. And I don't know what it is that's changed, but it's it's pretty nice. Like, you know, I think it's because like I've always loved trad music. It's nice to see it being kind of appreciated by people and. People may be giving it a bit more, a bit more leeway. You know, I think people are a bit embarrassed of it or something, and they shouldn't be. It's great.
friend of mine, uh, Zara Hedman, was like bowled over by the fact that like she was like, oh my god, she's like playing something with her feet while playing <laughs> play, while playing uh, like pipes and holding a Guinness in one hand. How is this? Fi- well, and and fix, there was one point at one of those gigs where <laughs> oh the mic god. stand broke and Radio yeah. was playing a, a harmonium with her leg and a concertina and trying to fix a mic stand you at know, the same time. I had a really bad and time. Sing. I think it was the middle of Vicar Street gig and what happens is like I, I basically at one point I it was during the Rocky Road to Dublin which is a tongue twister I had to play the harmonium with my leg through the whole song but then one of the mics for my concertina fell off and I knew I'd have to play concertina at the end of the song so I was like shit I need to fix that mic so I had to like whip, keep playing with my leg take my vocal mic off the stand and bring it down with me down to the floor because I had to bend down to the floor to get the mic and then fix the mic while singing all the song fix it on and then put the thing back and I was just like when when I had managed to do it and I knew it wasn't going to all fall apart I was like the relief was like a wave I was like thank fuck because <laughs> I really I watched the mic fall and I was like we're fucked and none <sighs> of the lads I can't communicate to them that I can't finish the way we usually finish the song so like that's the yeah. thing none of us could really we were all because it's four part harmony so we're none all none of you even well. noticed I told you after the game I was like did you see what I had to do and they were like no <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I don't know multitasking on stage yeah we all do a lot of multitasking though I think you know there's a lot of um, doing two things at once or three or whatever yeah like it's as the way you describe that is quite terrifying for someone like me to be like okay Jesus but like it's technically so proficient but I guess you do you need room for those kind of fuck ups to happen so you can just like that's what makes it a show unique that's what, like when I go see oh, a gig absolutely I love when people make mistakes happen. yeah because yeah. like, I'm like well, it's not, not going to happen tomorrow like you know yeah well, was it that gig? Was it one gig? One of the gigs I just completely forgot the lyrics of, like this, like of the old man. <laughs> I just twice. Tried, I tried twice to sing the verse, and I just whatever happened, my brain just <laughs> shortcutted, and I think I just went like ah shit, and just like went yeah, on to the next went verse. Went on to the next one because you know it, that's the thing. Like you can be some like you can be well practiced and stuff, and sometimes things just like like the mic falls off the stand or you forget the lyrics or you know like I think I almost fell over once as well trying to but that's the thing I mean, if I go and see someone and they, there is some sort of fuck up like that and they just make a joke out of it you actually kind of I don't know you'd prefer that nearly because you kind of you feel like you're bonding with them a bit more if they're just if they make a laugh out or something like that but yeah. if they were to get nervous or freak out or something <laughs> it would probably just make everyone in the room kind of feel awkward so yeah, you just, you just it, have to kind of it's endearing enough like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's that unspoken thing that like, yeah, you can you can you can forget lyrics, you can make mistakes, whatever, but you do need to like recover because it's if you look like you feel really awkward to be on stage, then it's like broken the kind of magic contract of like, I'm going to pretend that I should be up here and you're going <laughs> to pretend that I should be up here. And you know what I mean? Because it's like, I always think that's that weird thing. It's when people appear ner- nervous on stage, it makes audiences nervous. Yeah, big time. I think magic is an interesting word and like not to keep coming back to the Wild Rover but like the whole album in particular to me it, it was definitely evident in the music before but in this one in particular I was like when I've been recommending it to people I've been like it's more like a horror movie score like this is kind of what I visualise <laughs> well, it's just like I see like fucking like the ending of like that kind of recent Michael Fassbender version of Macbeth which had this incredibly lush red cinematography at the end of it it was just like really hellish like and that's kind of what I see and very like the music of like uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis the score work that they do like which I fucking adore Uh, and again I'm going to like rein myself in here because I'm just I'm just over praising at this stage but I just wonder like do you guys draw from that like like, what do you draw from your inspirations because I think you said Monty Python at one stage and I'm just wondering like are there any films in particular or anything that have made you kind of go yeah like I need to kind of make music and try and recreate this or something not particularly but there's just so many between the four 
well, between the five of us with Spud, it's like so many different elements of influences and things that we've all been into for our whole lives that you can't even say that made us do that or that. It's just kind of like all rolled into a big mush and then comes out filtered through the five of us. We have all listened to a lot of Warren Ellis and Nick Cave soundtracks though and I think that it's interesting that you would say it's kind of like a horror score because I think we are all very interested in um, the idea of doing soundtracks or doing music that sounds like it, it kind of that has a visual aspect or a visual world to it, you know. Um, I think that's what we were trying to do in the last album as well was to just like create like visual worlds you know what I mean just just from the audio though I mean like that you know that you listen to it but you feel like you've gone into a world and that like if you close your eyes you can imagine what it looks like hmm. one of the tracks was written for a film was it or did I Katie Krull Katie Krull was yeah but again we didn't have any footage to work off and we didn't even really have a, a storyline we had so. a vague explanation of what it might be like <laughs> yeah imagine like really bleak long landscape shots though for that one I'm not sure why but that's what I've always thought in my head but yeah no the rest of it I always thought it was very brown yeah brown and orange which bizarrely ended up being the colours on the front of the album yeah I think the album cover looks a bit like I imagine that song looks like on the inside because like that makes me sound really mad doesn't it the song on the inside like (laughs) do you know the way like I don't know if Dared get this as well but um, that like when you sing a song sometimes you have a kind of a slideshow an accompanying slideshow in your head Mm -hmm. I do anyway Um, I think the best one's going to make you just project yourself into some kind of weird astral plane that only you can inhabit I I guess yeah yeah or like a dreamscape or something I don't know (laughs) what you would call it but yeah I definitely get that a lot with uh, if I listen to like Brian Eno's ambient stuff or slower songs or whatever like I have like yeah totally like dreamy ideas of what they are yeah and colours I always have the colours a lot of his stuff is like pink and purple <laughs> maybe you have synesthesia there <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah I get it a lot with Katie Kim's music actually colours um, not colours but just like mad visuals because um, I think that like each song kind of sounds like a kind of a weird world I don't know it's interesting to kind of write towards something like a creative endeavour like a film but only having the, the barest of notes. Uh, I was reading obviously about like the, the James Bond themes recently and how like whether it was Adele or whether it was Billy Eilish or whoever they tend to just have the name and thus they have the name of the film but they've no plot details. They're trying to put their spin on obviously something that has a certain level of archival history but like you're just like this is all we're telling you like you can't have the script or anything so it's just kind of fascinating for a musician to be put into a headspace and like I guess you're very much hoping to get it right like it's a weird yeah you know you used the word contract earlier on I think it's 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 its own kind of strange realm and very difficult to describe to someone who has a very I don't know traditional 9 to 5 job I suppose because I mean like I come to this all the time but I think it's strange to me that people who will go to gigs and spend their money don't seem to view musicians as a 9 to 5 job even though it, it, it's more than a 9 to 5 job well, we were talking yeah, about this recently the sort of people who are like oh well it's, it's easy isn't it you just get up and play for an hour and a half every it's a bit night. of crack yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah 
your yeah. life must be so much fun all the time. I don't I was like, it is a lot of for fun. For an hour and a half every night, I sit in a van for seven fucking hours on a motorway every day. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> eat shit. The fun part is playing the gigs. Like that's that's the bit that like you would probably almost do for free. It's all the rest of it that is a job. Like I feel yeah. like I am paid more so to like read emails, sit in vans, uh, sleep in like you know not quite a bed uh, you know all that stuff the music is like I'd do it anyway but yeah, yeah there's a lot that goes with it because the thing is is that like as a musician now you can't really be a musician um, like a full time musician without touring all the time it's just the way it works financially now so like there's just really a lot of like being on the road all the time um, so yeah it's just like it's it's like a, a full it's a lifestyle rather than a job you know if you're going to be a touring musician all the time and a ton of admin as well as you say emails emails yeah. emails Oh yeah. Dara mostly does our admin because I am so bad at admin <laughs> probably no one well, no, would trust Ian, me like, with it Ian and like, the manager yeah. do a lot of the emaily stuff I do a lot of the kind of like accounts and social media stuff and will you do the online shop and I stuff run like our that? online shop yeah post out stuff yeah how do you find the social media aspect of it I really enjoy it. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I Jesus, I hate social media, man. <laughs> I love it. Just the, the amount of crack you can have. You're just like, just 10,000 people reading this absolute like crap that I'm just pumping out every day. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say whatever you want. It's hilarious. Yeah, is it important for a band like Lancome to kind of be, I guess, approachable and not be perhaps closed off or, you know, we're very serious about our music, like that kind of thing? I think we get a lot of our seriousness out through our music and then our kind of, like, kind of messers generally then. Like, I think if you hung out with us, like, just in a room, you wouldn't necessarily equate those personalities with the kind of music. So, yeah, like, I think our social media is more like what we're actually like as people. But then, yeah, it's like you kind of channel part of your personality out through the music, you know. Yeah, you were on, um, was it Sean O'Rourke recently? And like yes. do, doing solo, oh, doing, doing oh. solo stuff. I was, I got in trouble. <laughs> you like, did, oh, yeah. I got trolled for the first time <laughs> in my life. I was like, ow, that hurts. So yeah, this was a situation where you were on after uh, Patter Tobin was on, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say his name again. Yeah, it was Patter Tobin. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to say his name. But, but yeah, yeah but there was are we allowed to call him a cockhead on you this? You can call him whatever you want, yeah. yeah. Fucking cockhead. I find that strange what happened that day though um, because they didn't tell me when I was on and then I only realised that I was on after him as he was speaking and I was just like listening to him going on. I was like oh my god what what are they thinking putting me on after this moment but they had told me they were like it's an election so you're not allowed to say anything basically about you know vote, like candidates and I was like okay grand and then I did say yeah fine and then but they put me on after um and I was I was I was seething listening to him you know um just yeah also a lot of it just didn't make sense uh what he was saying like and I'm not saying like you know like whatever about the the bit that made me seething with anger was his his anti-choice remarks basically you know I'm not commenting on his economic views or whatever I'm commenting specifically on that and um yeah, then I went in and I was like, oh, I won't say anything because I'm, I'm not allowed. But I was like, well, their song they're asking me to sing is The Granite Gaze. The future's further day by day As our fathers turn away And leave us clinging to a mother who eats her Which is specifically about that. Specifically about like Catholic Church and abortion rights and stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll sing that. And I, I suppose I won't, I won't say anything. And then his first question to me was like, you know, how, is, how important is folk music as protest music or something? <laughs> and I was like, 
lads come on <laughs> so I was just at that point I, I just I was like nah like how am I not this is I actually wondered I was like did they deliberately set this up or are they just that they really think I'm not gonna they say probably, this they must not know what the song was like I no, mean no really the producer had been at, well I won't say anything about specific people but the people <laughs> they knew the lyrics people knew the lyrics okay from things they said to me so I was like okay hey, I Maybe, well, I mean, like maybe they didn't get what it was about because I asked my mom, I played that ma- my, that song to my mom whenever we had uh, recorded it and I was like, what do you think this is about? And she was like, I don't know, global warming and the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think there's maybe some confusion about what it's about. <laughs> but yeah, I got, I got, um, I had a lot of uh, uh, kind of funny comments on, on Twitter and on the internet. Oh, that's really annoying ones, um, you know, that sort of like, stick to the music lady, politics doesn't suit you kind of shit and you're just like, Fuck. Yeah. Fuck off. My favourite one was someone said, um, I wish she hadn't gone back to music. Listening to her sing is like having your teeth drilled by a blind leper. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. It's so inventive. I saw somebody say like, um, they were like, apart, you know, apart from his abortion stuff, you know, actually. And I was like, hang on. I was like, you know, like no. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the problem. Yeah. that's the pure, like, Hitler actually had some good ideas <laughs> argument. Jesus yeah. Christ. But yeah, no, it just seemed like you were kind of put in this position where like, once you did start speaking, they were very quickly like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. But then they said, oh, fuck. And then they started talking to me about my gig, which I was like, yeah, I'll talk about the gig. That's like what I'm meant to talk about here. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, yeah, I meant to promote this gig. And I was talking a bit about like that and maybe the choice awards or something. I can't remember. And then he came back and he started saying to me, like, I hear you feel strongly about like student accommodation in Dublin or something. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, I do. But like, I was like, grand, I'll talk about this for a while. And then when I started saying that, then he started like, he basically went off it again then and was like, oh. Back back to the music, back to the music. And I was like, it's fine. Literally, if he hadn't asked me, like, I would have actually just gone in and like played the song and been like, I'm playing this gig. This is what's going on. Goodbye. Yeah. But like literally the questions, I was like, I just answered the questions. And then you weren't wrenching the microphone out of the stand, like being like, no. And another thing. Yeah. No. And I was trying to be nice. Like, you know, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't doing it to, I was, I was honestly answering his questions, basically. Yeah. You know, that if I'd answered anything other than what I actually did, that would have me being kind of borderline dishonest. You know what I mean? Or just like completely masking what I actually thought. So. I guess kind of, I suppose, tangentially related to all this, like, I mean, for any Irish uh, musician, I think right now, I mean, like, we're we're living in such kind of interesting and difficult times. And, I, and I've, I, I, on the show previously, like, whether it was Irish or international, there was a phase of, like, about over a summer of, like, getting nothing but anti-Trump songs from American artists, and I got really mad, and I was just like, I'm so fucking sick of, like, I don't need to hear Death Cab for Cutie do a Donald yeah. Trump song. Mm. And I, I really kind of, like, learned from the experience of being like, hang on, I was, like, trying to, like, decry that musicians should do pro- not do protest songs. I was like, yeah. whoops, I Hang on, no, that, that's a really stupid take. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, I mean, like, is it, is it an interesting time for Lancome to be kind of soaring while Ireland is, I mean, like, hopefully getting its shit together, but obviously there's so many fucking problems. I mean, I don't necessarily look at you guys as, like, a political band. You know, I, I, I wouldn't look to a yeah. Lancome song to, like, be this grand address of what is currently happening. But I guess it's probably impossible not to be informed by what is around you. So. Yeah, big time. I think we always do our best to not be too, like... I don't know, like like you're saying, those sort of people who are being really political on purpose, it can actually just sound annoying. And and particularly me, I would listen to a lot of punk music when I was a teenager or whatever. And a lot of punk music is like that. It's very like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Fuck the police, the government are bad. If you do this, you're a bad person. And it's just like, it's really, really black and white, kind of like, is didactic the word? Is that the right didactic, word? Didactic, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. didactic, like, this is what you should do, this is what you should think. And it's just really irritating. 
and even if, if even if the song is good if you listen to it a few times it kind of like it, I think it's much better to have kind of ambiguous slightly more ambiguous ways to talk about that in lyrics that it's not necessarily telling people what to think or how to feel or whatever but it's kind of getting a, a feeling or a mood across yeah uh, communicating emotions I suppose rather yeah. than like um, you know a, a manifesto of what everyone <laughs> should do you know <laughs> So you'll be running for government anytime soon, basically, is the... Uh, is no. The way. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I guess, lastly, we're a few days out from the Choice Music Prize, which is coming up. Uh, yes. I think you're going to win. I don't know if that means anything to you or if it doesn't, but... I have no idea who's going to win, to be honest, and it's like... I'm going to go down to Paddy Powers and bet on Fontaine's. Yeah. That way... They're the favourites. If, if they <laughs> win... I'll get some money and if we win we get the choice prize so I'll get some money yeah <laughs> and the glory um, but yeah like I, music awards are I, I kind of am more looking at it like it's an amazing list of nominations this year you know it's brilliant the amount of like they're all, they're all brilliant you know and that's really I think that's a really strong sign of what's going on uh, here that there's so many good nominations um, but like the idea of directly par- comparing albums and that one will win that music is ridiculous to me. <laughs> like it's really ridiculous but you had that as a child as well yeah, I grew up doing like fla competitions, you know, and you'd like go in and like play concertina best as you could when you were like 10 or whatever, like stressing out about it. And then they'd be like, this person's better than you. And you'd be like, oh. I find that bonkers. They have one at music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's like, really, we probably should have just been hanging out with each other, being friends, playing music together, because that is more enjoyable than being pitted against your peers for like who will win. Um, so yeah sorry that sounds very mean about the, I, I I just wish basically I'm gutted that we're not actually around for the Night of the Choice Awards because I just think it could be a really nice celebration of all that good music being produced you know um, and like we're friends with a lot of people nominated yeah. alongside us so well you never know if the visas don't get through <laughs> don't get our visas we'll be there with yeah. bells on yeah great time what's going on guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who wants to hear a few songs yeah. <laughs> no and yeah. that's totally fair uh, as a former judge myself I don't think you make unfair points I like. I think you know it's a, it's a weird place for a critic to be in I mean I very much enjoyed doing it but it is when you break it down to the black and white of that like it, it, it's like a, a league table of music and that's kind yeah. of not really not the fairest way of doing things I suppose yeah. but you know what are you going to do it must be impossible to pick though as a judge because when I think about that it's like you know when someone says to you like who's your favourite band it's like, yeah. I don't know it's an impossible question to answer you know and it's the same kind of thing I don't you know, it's across genres and everything's like totally appealing in a different way. And I just, you know, it just seems so hard to compare things like uh, directly like that. I love a good scrap of music, though, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a fun 12 Angry Men yeah. kind of situation in that room. Yeah. <laughs> We're not leaving until. It's a rare argument. Is it have really? arguments. You can't leave the room. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's all very civil. But okay. uh, yeah, no, like it, you are in a room together full of people. Yeah, there's been a few arguments. I mean, like, I like on my year, I, I think I was one of the only few people who was like, this one shouldn't win. And then it did win. And I was like, all right, fine, fair enough. Grand, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll be that guy. But. Yeah. Uh, I think there are some years when it's open and shut and there's some years when it takes like six or seven hours and whatever but it is a cool night though I mean I do yeah. enjoy it and I'm someone who doesn't really love I get kind of very antsy at these kind of big events where you know everybody but the two times I've gone out on the choice and I've actually been like this is pretty fucking great fine yeah. there's a person over there in the corner who I've slagged off in print but it's grand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all friends tonight that's okay <laughs> Well, I wish you best of luck with the choice. I wish you best of luck with yeah. the visas. Thank you very much. Everyone else that comes. Thank you both so much for coming in today. Thanks, Thanks for, having, for us. having us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers.
That was Rady Pete and Dara Lynch of Lancome. The album The Live Long Day is out now. And I guess in a few days' time, we're going to find out if they won the choice prize. They have a very healthy perspective on that kind of thing. They may or may not need to win it, you know? I mean, like, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting conversation. I think what is the most interesting is that Lancome have absolutely established themselves as one of the more interesting acts going around at the moment. As I said, even during the interview, I have fanboyed over them quite a bit. Like, you know, it's rare that I get into gushing mode, but it really was great to sit down and chat with them, and uh, I very much enjoyed it. There'll be more interviews to come. Now, Encore itself will be back in a few days' time. We'll have a very, very brief update from the Choice Prize, and who knows what's going to go down on that night. I'd imagine it's going to get fairly chaotic. So it's a big week for Irish music. It's a great time to have Lankham on the show. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Back very, very soon. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.